We are also happy to have Gwen's mother and niece here with us this morning. She's from Colorado, and I hope this is just a really good experience for her to come here and, and uh, to be with us this morning and go back to Colorado with something good in her heart. Amen, 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 amen. Uh, the Lord is good. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If I get too loud here, I, I can't tell, so you're going to have to. Okay, well, the speakers, you know, they go up and down sometimes. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Romans. I want to look at a couple of places here in Romans. Uh, I'm going to start in the fifth chapter and eighth verse. I want to speak something this morning that is an old message for us and those that's been in church for a while. We have some that haven't been in the church too long. So this may be a little newer to you, but some of you have already heard this message. But the content sometimes is different. I didn't, I didn't go to archives and grab the message out of archives, but the same thought, kind of the same idea, preached on it a lot. But I just really believe it. I believe that we can take a hold of it if we can grasp it, the uh, Scripture near the, the end, I want to read a scripture that says if we can if we can grasp it. It's the word kata lumbano or hold it down. Get it. Grasp it. Get to do something for our life. Romans 5th chapter 8th verse But God commends his love to us in that we yet being sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. We'll slip over in the 8th chapter in the uh, 38th verse and the 39th. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. None of these things will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Our Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. May I preach your word this morning with strength, with clearness, and ability to communicate exactly about your love. Lord, I pray that our heart would just be open to receive something, that everyone here this morning will, will just be able to grasp, able to receive something that may encourage them and help them in their way, in their walk, in their life. We pray it in your name for an anointing of your word, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Think about his love. Think about his goodness. Think about his grace that brought us through. For as high as the heavens above, 
So great is the measure of our Father's love. Great is the measure of our Father's love. So think about His love. I've been talking about like-mindedness and about thinking and thoughts and Paul writing in the book of Philippians and, and get your mind right, get your thinking right. Finally, Paul says, if there be any virtue, if there be any goodness about it, if there be any value, think on these things. So I want to think about God's love this morning a little bit. Get our mind right about it. Our thoughts right about it. I want to start off by saying this. The Lord gave me this thought and I was one morning this week. Have you ever had the Lord just begin to give you thoughts? It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's not your thoughts, but He just, and you're writing them down as quick as you can get them. The Lord just giving you some thought. It's, it's an awesome time. It's, it's a great time. This is one of the things that he said to me, this. The love and grace of God have been auctioned off as passports to pleasure. Isn't that an amazing statement? Tweet that. The love and grace of God have been auctioned off as passports to pleasure. Because God loves, because God's great, I don't feel condemned about what I do. Because I've got God's love on my side and I've got God's grace on my side. So I have a passport to just enter, enter any country of pleasure that I care to go. And, and it's almost, you know, this is the will of God in my life. It's a life-destroying thought. But it is, it's being propagated. And once this seed has been planted in the heart, what follows then is spiritual catastrophe. Now, I'm a witness of this. I've seen it. I've dealt with people that really believed that God's grace was good enough to cover their life as they just walked out in their own pleasure, in their own desires. The thought goes like this. God loves us so much that He gives us grace while we continue to walk in our sin. Now, the apostle addressed this when he said, should we walk in sin because grace abounds? God forbid. I mean, like the strongest statement that we can say against that. Blasphemy. The idea that, that grace and the love of God would, would cover our sin. I read a scripture last week and said that it said that he will not hold those guilty, guiltless. By the washing of his blood... We come into total, total clean, totally forgiven, totally washed. But then we don't walk in sin any longer. Can a church say amen? So when we talk about the love of God, and this is for those who haven't heard this yet, but 
love without condition. What we call unconditional love. How many here has ever heard the phrase unconditional love? Well, let me break the burst the bubble because love without condition doesn't exist in heaven or in earth. See, Satan found out that unconditional love is not in heaven. He did some things that got him cast out of heaven. And God hates him. Don't think for a minute that the devil and the Lord are just, you know, kind of opposites. But they're friends. No, no, they are enemies. The devil's out to destroy everything that God loves. Everything God's trying to do. Try to destroy the church. Try to destroy the kingdom of God. Every, every person that's in it. He's trying to bring down everything that God is trying to nourish. The things God is trying to grow, He's trying to stop, chop it down, keep it from growing. I will exalt myself and I will, I will ascend to the sides of the north. God said, no you don't. I'm casting you down. Jesus said, I saw Satan falls lightning from heaven. He put himself in a wrong place condition if heaven is full of unconditional love then God made a mistake with Satan and I always like the unconditional love people run he says this and this this is a good one I noticed that unconditional love people people that that claim that and believe that they love everybody except the ones they don't want to love but I thought love was unconditional There's no unconditional love in heaven, and there is no unconditional love in the earth. Jesus gave us a story, an example. There was a certain man. And when he says that, that's not a parable. There was a certain man that was rich. He prospered in life. All of his days he lived in comfort and joy and ease and And there was a beggar, Lazarus, that sat at his gate and was starving to death. Wanted just the crumbs that would fall from his table. Jesus said, and that man lifted up his eyes, being in torment in hell. If there is no such thing as condition then this man, who was a Jewish man, because he saw Father Abraham, and, and the Lord set this in the Jewish framework, he was a Jew, and he ended up in hell. I just want to tell you this morning that hell is not a place that God expects or wants people to go to. He has made all provision for us not to go there. But if you're determined, you can get there. If you refuse what he's done, then you you have the option. That's where you're going. And this rich man ended up in hell. If, If it was unconditional, surely then God, this is before the time of the cross. This is before. And 
the man is cast into hell, surely God wouldn't make any difference. And, and this is the doctrine and the gospel that goes on because of the love of God. He will not make a difference. But I want you to know, don't be fooled. God is not mocked. He knows who's His and He knows who's not. Colossians, the third chapter and the sixth verse says, The wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. So I'm just trying to set in here about unconditional love. Disobedience is a condition, and so is obedience. We put ourselves into the obedience of God. You can't be saved without the obedience of God. You've got to come to His way, not yours. You come out of your life and take His and becomes obedience on your part. And the wrath of God is still coming on the sons of disobedience. And I know that in songs that we've heard that, that Jesus took on the wrath of God. And so there's no more wrath of God. But Paul didn't know that. He needed a different revelation. Because he said in his writing to the Colossian church that the wrath of God is still coming on the sons of disobedience. That seems like unconditional love isn't, isn't there, isn't working. So let me say this, and, and finally I'm going to shut down on unconditional love. But if God's love is unconditional, then there is nothing that Esau could have done for God to make a statement in the Word of God, I hate him. Esau could not have done anything for God to say, I don't love you anymore. It seems like a foreign thing to us for God to say to somebody, I don't love you. Doesn't that seem weird? Because that's not the American gospel. The American gospel is unconditional love. I don't care what you do. I don't care how you act. I don't care how big of a fornicator you are. I love you and I love you. But that's not what he said about Esau. He said, I hate him. God hates the sin that we were in. Come on, say amen. But he offers a different path by his love. Amen. So the understanding about love and grace, I think, is cloudy. It's misunderstood a lot. I don't have all the understanding of this, but I do know that God is kind. God is patient. He's not willing that any should perish. But if we look at the love of God, in particular what's said, quoted as the love of God, in the New Testament, the love of God is always framed around the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you're going to have to get used to this because there isn't a lot of, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I, and I know that, that wives love to hear that. And Brother Holcomb gave us a truth about his wife. He told her that he loved her when they got married. And if anything changed, he'd let her know. But we love that reassurance of, I love you, I love you. But you're not going to find that in the gospel. <laughs> very, very few times the Lord set his disciples down and said, said, now I want you to love me as I love you. But, but him going around, I love you, just love you, love you, love you, love you. That's not really a picture of what the Lord did. But it's a picture of what he showed his love towards mankind. There's no other love of God on display. 
So I want to see the love of God. I want to see it in action. There's no other love on display except seen in Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, being absent of the only begotten Son, the birth of Christ, God's love was shown, listen to this now, it was shown towards those who were in the plan and purpose and process of bringing Christ into the world. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel, the nation, Moses and his leadership, bringing them out of Egypt, setting them up in the land where the Lord would be born. The prophets, the seers, the psalmists, they knew the love of God because it, they were on the track. They were on the, the trail, the line of bringing in Christ. We don't see God throwing His love out in the world. I'm sorry, during, during the time of the Jews, there's only one place you can go. There is no other temple. There is no other priesthood. It's only one. Because God's not just throwing His love willy-nilly across the world. He has a purpose in what He does with His love. And that has not changed. And so bringing in Christ, God shows His love towards mankind because He is ultimately going to show His love in Jesus Christ. God's love and grace are embodied and manifested in the person of Yeshua, Jesus Christ. This is the manifestation of the love of God. Literally speaking, John 3.16, let me just give it to you from the Greek New Testament. John 3.16, we all know it. But it says it this way, For in this manner God loved the world. In this manner. Everybody say, in this manner. Not just, whew, just throw it out there. Here comes my love, everybody. No, but he has a manner. He has a purpose. He has a function of his love. And in this manner, God loved the world. Wherefore, using this Greek word, hoste, combining the cause and the effect, he loved the world in this way. Wherefore, the Son of Him, the only begotten, who is in the world already, who has been born according to uh, Galatians, the fourth chapter, and in due time he will bring the son at 30 years old to ministry and there God is going to give him to the world from there. That everyone believing into him may not perish but have life everlasting. It's in concert with, with our opening verses. God commends His love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not just the church or the world, but the church too, I believe is looking for love in all the wrong places. When all the time God's love is found in the person of Jesus Christ. 
This is God's love to us, the person of Jesus Christ. Next Sunday, I'm going to preach about the man, Christ Jesus. The Lord just laid some new, fresh manna on me about that. But God's love is found in one place. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not found in any other way. And that's why any other religion is not going to work. You're not going to find God's love there. Any other leader, you're not going to find God's love there. You're not going to find God's love in government. God's, God's not pouring out His love in government. Somebody said the United States of America has been, been God's hand to the world. And yeah, I, I thank God that we've been able to help provide for peoples of the world. That's good. But the love of God is not that. The love of God is the gospel of Jesus Christ in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we're looking everywhere to find the love of God except in the right place. The central thought of Christianity should be Christ, and it isn't. We're looking at all kinds of other things and, and wondering if we can find the love of God here and there. Many sermons are being preached that don't even mention where the love of God is founded, and it's little wonder that the church in general across our country really is not like-minded about the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're going to talk about like-mindedness, there's only one central purpose, there's one central thought, and that is Jesus Christ and Him in person, Him glorified, crucified, resurrected, and Him being the foundation and purpose of everything that the church is doing. Can you say amen? So I want to go to the Holy Writ. I was reading in the book of Titus. And so if you'll go over with me to the book of Titus. This is so powerful. Same writer, Paul. We've been working in his epistles just recently and anointed of God. What revelation he has for the church. Titus, the second chapter. And what's going to happen in this second chapter down through the third chapter and the seventh verse is where I'm going to stop. You're going to see the grace of God and the love of God in its purpose. So beginning at uh, verse 11, for the grace of God which brings salvation has appeared to all men. I like that word appeared right there. You're going to find that in the third chapter, too, about love, the love of God. But it appeared. If it appeared and it was manifested, then it had been hidden. The grace of God was not being, it was not exposed. Does everybody know what the word manifest means? It's the Greek word phanero, or you couldn't see it, now you do. It just wasn't available, but now it has appeared, or I like better, has been manifested. The grace of God has been manifested. The thing I like about the grace of God which brings us to salvation is that next word. It says, instructing us. Hmm. Grace is a teacher. But I don't think it's the word favor that's the teacher. 
It's the teacher that's giving favor. And so when we look at it instructing us, how could grace instruct us? But if we know where the grace is and who it comes from and who really is the teacher and the instructor, then we realize that grace is what he is instructing us in. And, and so this, uh, okay, who, who's the, the big grace guy? The, the, uh, he's Oriental, Joseph Prince. And he's just all about grace. I mean, that's just, his sermon is about grace, grace, grace. Like our sermon is about Christ, Christ, Christ. His sermon is about grace, grace, grace. Not connecting the two. You have no grace without Christ. There isn't any. Unmerited favor does not exist outside of Christ. Because you cannot merit favor with God. A lot of people are trying. A lot of people have certain things they do and don't do and think that that brings them close to God and that gives them favor with God. If I don't do a certain thing if I, or if I do a certain thing, then, then I'm finding grace. No, there's only one place that grace is, and that's founded and rooted in Christ Jesus. And so just like the love of God, the grace of God has appeared to all men. When did the grace of God appear? Back at the tabernacle? The temple, maybe? Maybe when he led them out of Egypt and led them into the promised land. Is that the grace of God that appeared unto all men? No. No, the grace of God was unto you is born this day in the city of Bethlehem. The grace of God has appeared unto all men. Can you say amen? Listen, listen to what that grace the instruction of that grace, or really the instruction of the man who is giving that grace says. And this word instruction here really is, again, it's about, uh, it's patio. It's about teaching children how to do the right thing. And so, so the grace of God in Christ Jesus is doing what? Is teaching us to deny ungodliness. That's kind of subjective. Those of you who have been raised in real strict stuff, and those of you who have been raised in a lot of theology stuff, I mean, we put it all together, and we figure out what ungodliness is, and then you don't do it. But I really think that's the heart of grace. God doesn't give us a list, Brother Dustin, like you said. That would be easy if he gave us a list. Come on, God, give us a list. And if you don't give us a list, we can go back into the old covenant somewhere and find some stuff and live by that. Maybe we can get some rules to live by. I'm going to have to give you the verse right now. By grace, you are being saved. Whoa. No, but it's easy for me if I just, God, give me some rules. Give me, and so this would... This church, we've had people leave our church that said, no, I, we, we want to get something else. Go further and so go to another church and see what kind of rules they have there. And the rules they have there better. I feel now, I feel closer to God because I got in the right rule system. But the grace of God has appeared unto all men. Teaching us 
to deny ungodliness. It's a state of mind. It's not a lot of rules on pen on paper. It's a state of mind. And the state of mind says, I don't want to love anything that he doesn't love. I don't want to accept anything that he doesn't accept. He's my God and my Lord, and I'm living for Him, and I'm not going to accept things that are going to offend Him. Come on there. Say amen right there. I'm not going to love things that He doesn't love. I'm not going to accept. That is the, the fullness of believing that you are denying ungodliness is that you are refusing. You will have no part. You are disowning things that God doesn't want anything to do with. The second thing is, he says, to deny worldly lust. I think we can figure that one out. I really wonder now at the state of the church if we can or not. Because of grace, everything's okay. No, grace says to deny worldly lust. It doesn't say do worldly lust and you're under grace. That's that's not what it says. Teaching us to deny worldly lust. I think we know what worldly lusts are. It's pretty obvious. I mean, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We understand those things. The things that that take us away from God. The things that that are bad for our life. They're lusty things. They're all around us everywhere. Deny those things. And then he's got some other instruction to live discreetly. And I like this word discreetly because it's sober-minded. It's sane-minded. It is safe-minded. It's a place where we watch ourselves and the grace of God. This is the grace of God still teaching us here. Uh, no, the grace of God just gives us a slippery slope. We just slide down. Everything's good, and He just covers us, and it's just all so nice. No, wait a minute. No, the grace of God is teaching us to live discreetly. Think about what you're doing. How is this going to affect me? How's it going to affect my life, my children? How's it going to affect my marriage? How's it going to affect my job? And so my, my mind is engaged at the same time that my hands are engaged. Can you say amen? I live discreetly in this life. This, this is grace. This is the grace of God. And then it says, and to live righteously. We know what righteousness is. The thing that's right. The thing that's good. That's what we should be doing. That's what righteousness is about. And godly or piously or devoutly. In this present age. And so nobody's excused from grace. See, if you hadn't come under grace, you'd be okay. You wouldn't have to worry with all that stuff. But now that you're under grace, look at what grace is teaching. Look at that. That's almost like the same stuff, right? Oh, yeah, it is. So that's what God's favor and grace in Christ is all about right there. And so if we go on to the third chapter, and I don't want to bore you here. I, w- I want to try and try and stimulate something inside of you. But the fourth verse says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior towards men appeared. There we have it again. Appeared. It came to be. You didn't see it. Now you do. So the love of God, we go back to our, to our text scriptures. Where's that love of God? It's found in Christ. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is God's commended love upon us. And so this love appears. And again, like grace, it is bound in Christ. It's not 
on its own, it's bound in Christ. So it uses this, this same word for narrow. And I thought about uh, 1 Timothy 3.16. And God was manifested in flesh. It's the same word. It's the same thought as appeared here when, when uh, Paul is telling Titus that there came a point when grace appeared. There came a point when love, the love of God, appeared unto mankind. And here it is. And it's just that same point that God became flesh. He appeared in flesh, was manifested in flesh. It all happened at the same time using the same word. And so I would say it this way. God's love was manifested in the flesh. Christ Jesus. God's grace was manifested, appeared. His favor manifested in the man Christ Jesus. God's love and grace are not some substantive quantity of His attributes. And I had to bring that word in there. I didn't. It's just basically this. God's love is not different than Himself. We kind of almost look at that sometimes. And, and, and there are people that, and, and I would be careful with this, but we know, we've talked about this. People that claim things under Holy Ghost. And it's just like it goes a different direction than Christ. So it just leaves off and, and, and just does whatever. The Lord doesn't have a second life. He just has one life. And so love, God's love and grace are not some substantive quantity of his attributes. Like they have their own life. God's love has its own life. It's almost like he spits it out there and then his love goes and does. You know, the Gaithers sing this song, The Love of God. Have you heard it? I'm sure you have. The love of God is greater far than riches and, and goes on to say. But the, the thing I don't like, it comes back around and says, its power is eternal, its glory is supernal. What? It's? It has an entity of its own? Does God's love have an entity of its own? Or does it come from somewhere in this case, someone all the time. Every time God's love is exhibited, where does it come from? It doesn't have a life of its own. It comes from the individual, the person of God. Jesus Christ, the righteous, is the one who pours out, who manifests the love of God. It's in Christ Jesus. Say, God's love is floating around, just waiting to reach down and do good things for me. I, I think we've missed the point. John said this, God is love. Remember that? God is love. So now we all get to define what love is, and that's what God is. See, we just, anything you think love is, well, that's what God is. No, God is love. It's absolutely right. God is love. And he exhibits that love in one way. While we were sinners. Come on, everybody. While we were sinners, 
And I know it's hard for you to believe because you've been sitting on a church pew so long that you forget that you were a sinner. But while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. This is the package of the love of God. This is the package of the grace of God. Is The point is that you were a sinner and didn't, couldn't find the love of God. Didn't know the love of God. Couldn't, couldn't get to the grace of God. But while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. That's the love of God in a nutshell. Is you are going the wrong direction. In fact, we were all, every one of us were headed to hell. None is righteous. No, not one. But He laid the sins of us all on Him. And He bore them on a tree. And for you and me, we are clean this morning. We know the love of God. We know the grace of God. We know the forgiving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I understand this morning where the focal point of the love of God is at in my life. It's not that God just wants to do some good things for me and hand out some goodies to me. He loves me so much, He just wants to hand some good things to me. He loves me so much, He wants to manifest Christ in my life. That's how much He loves me. Have you ever stood back and said, wow, I don't feel like a capable vessel of the Lord. I don't know if you've ever said that, but boy, I sometimes do. Me? The Spirit of God lives in me? That doesn't even seem right. Unless you've experienced the love and grace of God. See, you didn't make yourself clean. You didn't make yourself holy. Well, I'm not going to wear open-toed shoes anymore. I'm going to be holy. No, no, no. Forget that stuff. There's someone who is giving you grace in your life. There is someone who is loving you. There is someone who is making you the vessel that you are. You didn't make yourself a vessel. The potter made you a vessel. And he formed you and he made you and he cleaned you and he washed you and he set you right before him. And now all you have to do is live in his grace and his love, walking every day in the love that is found in Christ Jesus. Can the church say a good amen right there? Amen, amen, amen. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The whole world. And much of the church is looking for love in all the wrong places. Remember that old song? Looking for love in all the wrong places. And that's all I know. But I've heard that part. <laughs> it just makes so much sense. The church is looking for love in the wrong places. Why aren't we promoting what love really is? I know the one who is the love of God. And that's what we're going to promote. Amen. I want to close with just a reading here. In the book of Ephesians. Same writer. Same revelation. Ephesians 3, 18, 19. That through faith Christ may dwell in your hearts. Having been rooted and founded in love. 
and that you may be given the strength to grasp, to lay hold of. Sometimes it's hard to believe that God would love me. Why? I've never accomplished any great thing. I've never. Why would God? It's hard to grasp that sometimes. Have you ever wondered that? Wow. Why did God waste his time on me? But when we understand, we can grasp together with all the saints, not just individually, but we grasp it together with the saints. What is the breadth and length and depth and height, both to know the surpassing knowledge of the love of Christ, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That love of Christ carries with it the fullness of God. Isn't that amazing? Oh, I just want God to love me. Oh, He's going to do that if you open your life. You say, God, I want to understand. I want to have that knowledge about your love. I, I, I want to know where your love is. What, what is it from? He's going to show you. With all the saints, the surpassing knowledge of the love of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who is the one who fills us with the fullness of God in our life. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Every time, Lord, that I need love in my life, I need to look to you. Mm -hmm. Grace found in you, love found in you. When we go through things, Lord, when we are disappointed, disappointed by people, disappointed by those we thought we knew, when we're disappointed by what happens sometimes at church, we still keep our eyes on the love of God and our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Looking for that, earnestly looking for that appearing that appearing of the Lord and Savior, our God, Jesus Christ. Lord, keep our eyes tuned there, that we don't go looking for love in other places. Lord, we keep our eyes tuned on you, that we don't look for grace in a wrong understanding, Lord, but we keep our eyes upon you, and you bless it in our lives. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen.